You're listening to Jewish Matters with Rabbi Jonathan Feldman. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to our Jewish Matters podcast. And tonight we're in our third talk on Kabbalah 101, and we're going to be talking about fixing a broken world. Now, one of the most difficult challenges to belief is seeing a world where there is evil and seeing a world where there is suffering. And this question gets to the root of how we understand God's goodness in a world which appears broken. So in order to try to understand this, we're going to take a, the Kabbalistic approach. And in order to understand it, we have to look at the root of why the world is broken. And we're going to see that the Kabbalah does address this in a fascinating cosmology, uh, description of the, universe, the origins of the universe on a spiritual and physical plane. It's going to be a bit abstract, so hold on to your seats. But we will get to uh, the more human, applicable dimension of it. Remember, Kabbalah is the understanding of the workings of the spiritual realms. As, a repo- as opposed to the revealed Torah, which is the uh, teachings of how to serve the Almighty and how to repair the world. So uh, we're going to look at understanding the brokenness. Now, the beginning of understanding is humility. And that is saying that we don't understand. And the highest level of the highest level of the ten spherot, which we spoke about in our previous talk, is the Ratzon. But in some of the schools of Kabbalah, it's called Radla, Ratzon de lo Yada, the will which is not known. And it's really, it's saying on an ultimate level, we cannot fathom the divine will. We cannot really know why we're here. And so there are going to be times that we just have to let go and say it's beyond us. And that is in the level of Keter, the crown, and that is in the level beyond this world. Now, in order to understand this unfolding, we have to look at another fundamental Kabbalistic concept, which is the idea of the four worlds. Uh, We spoke also about the paradox of how you have God's transcendence, God's separateness from the world, God's greatness, and the divine immanence, how you have divinity in this world. And we talked about last week on the spiritual realm, the divine light, the or Ein Sof, being filtered through ten lenses, so to speak, of the Sfirot. So today we're going to talk about not just the spiritual uh, distilling of that light, but the physical as well. And so the Kabbalists teach us that there are four worlds. Uh, going from top to bottom, the world of emanation, which is Atzilut, the world of creation, Bria, the world of formation, Yitzirah, and the world of action, which is Asiyah, and that is our world. Okay, so we have these four worlds. Now, the world of Atzilut is really before creation. It's not accessible to us because uh, Etzel means, in a sense, it could mean to emanate, but it could also mean next to. So it's the world next to the divine, connected to the divine, 
beyond our understanding. And because we've seen the next world as a world of creation, bara means external, outside. In a sense, it's the world projected outside of the divine, or as we saw two talks ago, uh, the cavity, the halal, the uh, retraction of the divine to make room for the, uh, for, for the, the world, for the, um, the physical world. And so that is creation. That is where the Torah starts with the world of creation. Bereshit bara Elohim. God created uh, the heavens and the earth. So that's the world of Briah, the world of Atzilut being before. Once there was creation, which is that first moment of creation is Yesh Me'ayin, creation of something from nothingness. And of course, we know it's not total nothingness. It's nothingness in terms of how we relate to existence, but there was the divine before that. But after that moment of bringing the, phys- the world into being, then you have the world of formation, which is putting all the elements of the world together. So uh, Nachmanides says all of the matter was, of the world was created in that first moment of creation. And the next six days of creation, uh, described in the beginning of the Torah, is really uh, all of those elements being put in place and unfolding, so to speak, till we get to the world of Asiyah, which is our physical world. Now, let's tr- backtrack. Before Briah, there was a dynamic that occurred. Not a dynamic was a three-step dynamic. Uh, you had, on the, the first step, was all of the light being contained in Keter, in the, the crown, in the top level of the divine. And this is even before Atzilut, before the emanation of the divine light. And that is what in the beginning of Genesis is described as a world of chaos, tohu. The world of, uh, and that world is called the banded world or Akudim. Now, these three worlds are going to be mentioned in the Torah. Uh, we talked about four levels of understanding the Torah, and the deepest level is Sod, the level of secrets. So, in the story of Jacob, who breeds his sheep, and some of the sheep are bands of a color, some are spotted, and some are streaked. And those three descriptions are really code words for different level, different stages of the unfolding of the divine light. And this is very much the approach of the Kabbalah, saying that in the Torah and in the world, uh, what we see is just an external manifestation of something which are deeper secrets that we might not even be aware of if we don't have the code to try and understand them and know them. So... The world, uh, the first one is the abandoned world where all of the light was, in a sense, contained together. Then you have the spotted world, the Nikudim, where the Sfirot are arranged, I almost describe in a single line. They're distinct entities of the divine energy, but because they don't interrelate, the vessels, so to speak, which are there to contain the light, could not uh, sustain themselves, could not contain the light, and they were shattered and broken. And this is what's known as Shvirat Hakelim, the shattering of the vessels. And this is the beginning of all the problems, so to speak. 
Now, you'd ask, well, why did God create the vessels that couldn't hold the light to begin with? And here is where we have a very fascinating dynamic and a question saying, are we meant to live in a broken world? Are we supposed to have gone through this dynamic so that we can play an active role in fixing the world? And we'll get more into this. So the third level is the Birudim, the streaks. And that is when the Svirot have interconnections between them. They're called partsufim, which literally mean almost faces. And that's when the Svirot are aligned looking like a, div- a, a body, where each limb in the body is interconnected to the other one. The partsufim, the faces, are the lines going between all of the different energies. And so that world, the vessels are rebuilt, they are rectified, so to speak, and they are connected to each other. And this is where we start to get to the world of Atzilut. But what happened was the shattered vessels are still there. And uh, what happened was Malchut, particularly the last of the ten Sfirot, could not hold all the light. It's a receptacle of all the light. And uh, it has this quality of holding back. To be a vessel, you have to be able to contain and then allow it to overflow in a, you know, kind of with a uh, faucet, uh, with the right flow. So the shattering of Malchut brought about this containment, these shells, the klipot, which brought, which filtered down into the world of creation and then emana- formation and then the world of action. So the klipot are the residuals of the shattered vessels because they're shattered and disconnected. This is identified and understand as the, the, the root of potential evil. And it was the tension within the last of the vessels that caused this shattering that brought about this falling out and this evil in the world. Now, um, so they fell outside of Atzilut through the world of creation. And so it created the potential for evil to exist in the world. But its origins are the shards of the holy vessel. So the parts that could not be redeemed fell into the world of Asiyah, the lowest of the world. And in the Torah, there's a whole system of purity and impurity. And this is the origin of Tuma, of impurity, of the dark side, of negative energies and of evil. And, um, but it's still believed that even those shattered vessels, because they came from the holy vessels, still have sparks of holiness within them, still have the potential to be redeemed. And, um, and this is what, so the shattering is what brought the evil in the world. Now, we see this cosmological, this divine creation drama being reflected in another narrative, which really, you could say, is more relevant to us. And that is the narrative of Adam and Eve. And think about the story, right? Adam and Eve are put in the garden. They're given the ideal existence, a paradisical existence. And they have the opportunity to live 
in total state of completeness and harmony with themselves, with the world, and with the divine. And what happens? God says just this one tree, the tree of knowledge and good and evil, do not eat from this tree. And so, of course, what happens? They eat from the tree. And that brings about a shattering, a falling, a brokenness in man, and the fall of Adam and Eve, and they are kicked out of the garden, so to speak. So, the, there are many questions. It seems almost fated, fated that they should do this because we could ask, well, didn't God know that they were going to do this? Wasn't it almost a setup, right, uh, to put them in there and then say, don't eat from this one fruit, which is the fruit they wanted to taste? And we'll have to get into why that is. So uh, this tree of the knowledge of good and evil is etadat. Remember, dat is one of the top three of the spherot, and that would be the origin of evil. And what they wanted, they wanted access to the entire scope of the divine manifestation. That was on a cosmological level. On a human level, what they said is, if we are broken, right, we have access to evil. And maybe even, one could ask, if we fall into evil, because going against God's command and eating from the fruit was already the first step of the fall. So their reasoning was, and then we'll be able through that fall to refix ourselves and that'll be a greater service of the divine, to get out of the darkness and to come back to the light on our own. And this was their mistake. Now, there was truth in it because part of the divine uh, challenge, if we will, is to fix the broken world and to fix ourselves. And we're supposed to be doing that. There's a concept in Kabbalah called mamtikadinim, so to speak, to sweeten the harshness of the decree. And the idea is that when we have those moments in our lives, those moments of darkness, either moments when we have to deal with a person who's evil, or the moments when we are down and we're letting the depression take us over and the uh, inertia, or moments when we're going through challenges, of health challenges, relationship challenges, or falling out with those who we love. Um, in these moments of great darkness, there is a concept that we can find the light even in those moments. And this is the idea of raising the sparks and of, even in the darkness, being able to fix the shattered vessels. Uh, there is a famous line in Leonard Cohen's last album, and uh, he was the master of darkness and of going into the darkness and coming out. And his line was, there's a crack a crack in everything, and that's how the light gets in. There's a crack, a crack in everything, and that is how the light gets in. And the implication is almost, it's through our humanness, through our imperfections, that we find the divine. 
And so the Hasidim had an idea that when we fall, we fall in order to be able to lift ourselves back up. And Rabbi Nachman of Breslov, who was uh, reported to have uh, struggled with depression himself, spoke very much about this, about finding the light in the darkness and lifting oneself back out of that dark place. And so, um, so that's the idea of fixing the vessels, is finding, even in the darkness, sometimes it's uh, seeing how well, there's something for us to learn from uh, what we went through, our loss. Sometimes it's having the realization that going through that pain and suffering uh, brought us a certain purification or a certain empathy with others. Sometimes it's uh, seeing how moments of challenge can bring out the strength in us and in others and bring people together. So there can be many iterations of this. Uh, there are those who came out of the Holocaust with their faith and saw miracles within the Holocaust. Uh, Hasidic Tales of the Holocaust is a whole book about the miracles that went on during the Holocaust, small miracles of the Holocaust. And today, in the COVID-19 experience, for all of the uh, challenges, uh, some people, it's financial challenges of losing jobs or having their income go down. Some people, it's health challenges of getting sick. Some people, it's challenges of being stuck at home and battling with depression or relationships that uh, get strained because everyone is on top of each other. But even in that, we're supposed to look for the lining, we're supposed to look for the light, we're supposed to look for what we're supposed to learn from it and how we're supposed to grow from it. Uh, the lesson that we're not in control and the Almighty is in control. Or maybe we see in it the fact that we are all limiting ourselves to help others and to save others. Put on that mask because, not because it's protecting me, but because it's protecting everyone else. So even in COVID-19, we look for the lessons and we look for what are we going to gain from it. And that is mantik kadinim, sweetening the harshness and raising the sparks and fixing the vessels. And so this is what we're supposed to try and do. And on the level of Adam and Eve, the idea is we have to try and get back to the garden. We have to try even when we have our Yetzirahara, our lower voice, pulling at us, trying to distance ourselves from the Almighty, we see that as a test to overcome, to bring us back. And um, the Zohar, the Book of Kabbalah, has an analogy, has a story, a parable, if you will. The parable is about the king, and the king hires a harlot to seduce his son. And uh, it's just a ruse to see if the son was strong enough to stand up to the challenge. So the story goes that when the son realizes that he's being set up, instead of being angry at his father and lashing out and just succumbing, he stands up to the test and resists because he sees that it's a test. And so the analogy is, 
if we're able to look at the darkness and at the evil in the world as a test uh, on a cosmological level to give us free will, on a personal level to experiences that might get us to grow or to push through the pain and still keep our faith in the Almighty, if we can see them from that perspective, uh, the parable is telling us, then that is what will actually give us the strength to be able to get through it. And that's the goal. That's what we're trying to accomplish. So um, the period of time that we're going through now, in this time of the year, in the Jewish calendar, the three weeks, uh, is a dark place. It's a place uh, on Tuesday night is the beginning of the months of Av, where we're supposed to reduce our joy and we're supposed to not go into court cases, not put ourselves in dangerous situations, or even to travel on, uh, f- for pleasure, and to think about the brokenness of the world. The destruction of the temple for us represents the brokenness of the world. It represents a world because the building of the temple means the fixing of the world. And that's our messianic ideal. That's Mashiach. That's getting back to the garden, a state of harmony with ourselves and the world and the Almighty. How do we get back to that? By accepting the decree, by still keeping our faith even in the challenges, uh, by trying to do more mitzvot and bring ourselves back to the Almighty even in the moment of darkness. So that's also a lesson for this time of year is the lesson of the brokenness of the temple, paralleling the brokenness of Adam and Eve and the brokenness within each and every one of us, which it's our goal to try and fix and try and disconnect from the lower voice, bring us back to the Almighty through our higher voice and rectify the the transgression of Adam and Eve. And in the world in general, to fight against injustice and fight against darkness is a a movement now going on in the United States and throughout the world to rectify injustice. And, um, of course, it needs to be balanced with chesed and din, with love and justice. But, um, but that also is looking to fix a broken world. And uh, the idea of tikkun olam really originates with the Kabbalistic source of this brokenness. And so... While social justice actions can be part of tikkun olam, the Kabbalists saw the tikkun olam as fixing ourselves spiritually. That is the first step towards fixing the world. Because if my house is in in order, how can I put the rest of my family, my community, and my world in order? So that's our first challenge is to fix it within us. And the Kabbalists believe that if we fix the brokenness within us, and that's connecting to the divine despite that brokenness, and then transcending it, uh, if we can do that, then that can also fix the brokenness of the original vessels of creation. Because we're bringing more light into the world within ourselves, and then that can spread out beyond us. So we fix ourselves, then we fix the world, and through that we fix the spiritual realm. And I'll leave you with uh, one more 
uh, song of uh, stanza verses from Leonard Cohen, the master of darkness and bringing light into the darkness. And he says, there's a blaze of light in every word. It doesn't matter which are heard, the holy and the broken, hallelujah. It doesn't matter which are heard, the holy and the broken, hallelujah. So he's saying we praise God even from the place of brokenness. Have a good evening, everyone. Uh, next week we will move on to uh, our next talk on Kabbalah, and we'll be talking about angels, higher energies, and lower energies as well. Do we believe in demons? How do we understand that? And um, uh, join us for that. Uh, Wednesday night, uh, we'll be speaking in our Extraordinary Jewish Personalities about Elie Wiesel, also someone who went through the darkness and eventually found the light. Have a good evening, everyone.